Thank you for joining me for another Quick Hits Conversation. I'm Dr. Robin. With me today, I have Atif Aga. He's an IT professional doing data analytics and also an avid runner. He's in Chicago. I have Philip Tate. He's a communications consultant based in Charlotte, North Carolina. I have Jim Tam. He's the head of the Dallas office for Keystone Partners, where he's helping people for perform at their best through leadership development and outplacement services. And I have Lauren Schieffer. She is the Colonel's daughter. She is a certified speaking professional in Kansas City, where she focuses on significant leadership. The question I have today needs a little bit of foundation before I ask it. Several weeks ago, I did a quick hit where I asked, is it fraudulent for someone to have two full-time jobs that they work at home, but where they can do both of them just fine, but there's two full-time jobs. And it was interesting because the panel was kind of split between people who were employers who said, yes, that's fraudulent. And the people who were employees who said, no, it's not. I should be able to have a side gig or do whatever I want or even have a second job if I can do the job that you want done well. And so from that on the YouTube channel, someone posted the comment, why is it okay for companies that I can do twice the work of a satisfactory employee at less than twice the pay, but then they would have a problem if I have the ability to get another job and do work getting paid for it. And so that's kind of the question I want to ask today is why do we have this belief that it's okay to do twice the work, but it's not okay to have a separate job? Jim, what are your thoughts? You know, I think I, I've almost got to break down this question into you know two-part questions and so two-part answers. The first is I think a lot of this has come to light because of, of the pandemic where people were home, right? So that's kind of opened up this Pandora's box of what is work, kind of redefine work. And many of us are consultants, so we have multiple clients. Would our clients think that we're cheating on them if we had other clients? Probably not. So if you kind of blow that up to a bigger scale, as long as it's not a, a competing product and it's not competing at the same time of day, where you're working it doesn't matter so if you want to work 80 hours a week but you give 40 hours a week to your employers equally i think that's fine i'm of the opinion that's not sustainable right so you might actually be able to do that for a little while but in the long term you probably won't be able to give as much to each employer over time because i do think there is some sort of burnout but the second half of that uh, question is like why do i work double, but I don't get paid double, right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times, unless you're an assembly line where you can actually quantify the widgets compared to somebody else that you are able to have greater output, it's tough to say that you work harder. Um, mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people don't think about output, they think about input. If I put double my time, should I get paid double the, the comp? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily, unless you can also prove that you also have double the output. The key thing is, how do you even measure that? Are you going to double the work every month consistently, or are you just doing a great work today and maybe you have free time as well? So when you are set for a certain job, there's some accountability, there's some responsibility. We're not really a bricklaying job where we can say, well, every month I'm doing double the bricks, paying more money. It's different. It's a service industry, right? Today is a very different industry. And then we're talking about, are we really consistently outperform, do a great job. Yes, that will help you get promoted, get, get a better recognition. To talk about the other part where people working two jobs, I think it's very important to understand. I don't personally think it's the right thing to do because there's no way, unless you have specific deliverables, but otherwise you have a commitment. And as long as your company is okay and you have transparency and you're letting them know you're working two jobs and they're okay with it, go ahead, do it. But I would definitely bring transparency to it because there's going to be competition somewhere. There's going to time compete going to happen. Mm. 
Mm -hmm. I, I would say as a communications consultant, it, it depends really on which side of the fence you sit. Uh, because for years I worked in the agency world and they, they were billing my time at a certain performance. I was a high performer. So I didn't really worry about it that much. I was not obsessed with what everybody around me is making. I was very focused on what I was turning out for clients. Since starting my own business, obviously it, it, that mindset has changed a bit because to me, the puzzle and what I like about being on my own as an independent consultant is that I can determine how much work I want to take on. Do I want to work on the weekends? Do I want to work at night? Uh, but still the bottom line is production. You still have to produce for clients, for employers, what have you. So uh, I think a lot of people do get kind of hung up on, well, that person's making more than I do and they're not as good as I am and whatever else. I think part of the problem too is I hate it when people I'm trying to do work for, they want to grind it down to my hourly rate. And how many hours do you think it's going to take? It's like, yeah. well, I have 35 years of expertise I'm bringing to bear so I can get it done more quickly, but there's value to that. So I think that's where a distinction needs to be drawn as well. Mm -hmm. Great point. Uh, I was just thinking about people say you get paid how much for an hour keynote, right? but they don't realize that they're not paying for the hour. They're paying for my lifetime worth of experience mm -hmm. and my ability to put together the message in a manner that's going to um, engage and uh, excite their audience, et cetera. That's what they're paying for. I think it really depends on the industry, on this pay scale thing, and whether we are talking piecemeal or if we're talking about um, a salaried position. I believe that whoever this person was that made the comment, if someone is focusing exactly on um, how much they're getting paid, then there is potentially a fundamental failure in the leadership of the organization to empower them to rise to the top to leadership and or to uh, effectively communicate to them what the other benefits are in working harder toward the goal. When we can infuse in our employees the vision of we're all working together toward this common goal. And this is what it's going to look like for you specifically when we get there. There's less time spent on while well, I'm working harder than Susie is because eventually when everybody's working towards the same goal, peer pressure will either level Susie up or walk Susie out the door. Or I'll go back to mediocre because it's not worth. So I understand what this commentator is saying, because when I was in my late teens and early twenties, I worked at a bank. I got an hourly paycheck, just like everybody else around me. And my job was to process incoming wire transfers and answer the phone. And I was so much more efficient than anyone around me. I was constantly at the top of the leaderboard as far as processed wires, phone calls answered, things handled, not transferred out. I was always at the top. And when bonuses came in, they gave bonuses to people at the bottom to help motivate them. And all it did to me was say, well, then why am I working so hard? So I totally get what this commenter is saying is that why is it okay for a corporation to expect me to give 110% and because I'm bright and I can and I work hard and I have good ethic and I can output so much more, that's fine. But now I'm working from home and I can output so much more and I could do another job at the same time, literally in the same eight hours. Oh no, that's not okay. You're working for us. You can't work for somebody else too. So I, this is interesting. I think we're comparing two different things. So the motivation doesn't always come with a paycheck. It comes with the work you're doing, the team you're working with, and that's a different thing altogether. 
And then same people working for the same exact same role, maybe getting paid differently based on their experience and the value they may be presumably bringing to the role, even though it's the exact same titles. So you hire someone who's 20 year experience, he may be making X amount of dollars because of his previous jobs and his job switching. He may be making 20, 30% more than the same for the same job who's just never moved jobs and never moved around and just in the same role. So there's a lot of other factors that come in. How are you going to get paid? And that's why it is a confidential information, what you're getting paid. Even if you're in the same role, you may bring a lot more value and gradually you get adjusted to a higher rate. But is it really the money that's driving what you're doing today? Being a salaried employee is a very different mindset. There's other values that you drive from that role or being a consultant. Then you can really price out what you really worth at and what you bring to an hourly rate. Very different mindset. There are many forms of compensation. Back to what I mentioned earlier about you're really packaging together. What's my expertise? That's what you're paying for. The same way if you're working for for an employer, many forms of compensation, your salary, your benefits, your workspace, the people you work with, the people you work for, those are all forms of compensation and they all have value depending on who the individual is. I've never heard of uh, paying bonuses to lower performing employees as a way of motivating them. Mm-hmm. To me, that just feels backward. But one of my current clients have the set salary scale. But when reviews come around, there are benefits that come with the performance review analysis number. As your performance analysis number improves, so do your benefits. That makes sense. Well, I'm not 100% sure we answered this question. I think it's a very difficult question to answer, and it depends on which side of the table you're on. And like I said, I can certainly see both sides, but that is our 10 minutes. So I'm going to have to cut us off there. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me, and I look forward to speaking to each of you again really soon.